It's so good to be together uh, today. It's great to have our, some of our staff team here in the room, as well as some of our leaders as well. And to be with you in your living room this morning, it's so good uh, to join you and whatever's going on in your world at this time. I hope and my prayer is that somehow our eyes will be lifted up today. I love what Sally said earlier on. She said that we all need an opportunity to be able to understand that the weight of the mistakes and the sins that we commit and we are involved in nailed Jesus to the cross. But in his great love and compassion, he took all of our guilt and all of our sin and was able to declare, it is finished. And that's why we come to this table. We come to a table um, because this is a place where we remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Today, and as we have been doing over the last few weeks, we've been coming and gathering around this table. We've been focusing on that in the mornings, on Thursday morning, and also on Sunday evening as well. And what a better, what a better thing for us to do than just to gather around an event to say, hey, church, we're starting to come back together again. Let's have an event to celebrate that. What we're doing, we're coming to a table where every single one of us has the opportunity to join in. It's not a front-led thing. It's not a stage. It's not something we look up to, but it's something that we gather around because there's something about this time that we've walked through as a people that has isolated us and separated us. And even though there are still restrictions in place, when we gather around this table and we break bread together and we drink this cup together. We do it as one people joining together and something of the unity that we have. And it's, we only have it because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He has broken down the dividing wall, the barrier that is the enemy loves to put up between us. He's annihilated that on the cross and he's made a way for us to enter into all the fullness that he has for us. So when we come together, we come together united. We come together as one. We come together to this amazing event that Christ ordained for us to join in. I recently spent some time in an NHS hospital. And I am so grateful to the NHS for all that they've done for me. But one thing... I learned that when I was there, maybe I've not really understood this before, is that whether you're someone who has much or whether you ha or someone who has little, whether you've got a six-figure salary and you drive a nice car and you've got a great house that the mortgage is all paid off, or whether you've been someone who's lived on the streets, you're addicted to drugs or alcohol, and your life has just been mixed up in crime, wherever you've come from, the NHS is there for you. It's there for everyone, and no one gets treated more specially than the other. This table is like that. This table is the place that wherever your background is, whether you feel that you've got it all together, or whether you feel that you're a mess and you're broken, we all come as one to this table. This table unites us because we're united in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our enemy loves to drag us down. We have a very real enemy. And I know that at this time, this would be a time where maybe the faith 
of some of us has grown weak. And maybe it's the fact that we've not been able to meet together. We've not, um, we've been affected by mental health or other areas that have got to us throughout this lockdown. Maybe you have been someone who's lost a loved one. Maybe you have lost your job and your financial situation has been difficult. But we all carry burdens and then when the enemy comes in, he loves just to lie to us and tell us that we're just not worthy. We're not, um, we're not able to come to this table and to receive forgiveness and to receive mercy. And uh, this has been a time, I know that for some, this has been a really tough journey and things to walk through. Um, you know, Lynn and I, we love, we love going on holidays that include lots of walking and city breaks. And during those times when we go out together, we often leave the hotel in the morning and we put a backpack on. We've got all the resources that we need for the day. And we just walk and we walk and we walk. But I know that as the day goes on, usually it's about midday, that backpack starts to get heavy. It starts to weigh us down. It starts to make us feel, I don't know how much more we can carry this thing. And I know that for those who are listening, those in the room here, there'll be some of us thinking, I feel weighed down. The stuff that's just crept into my life. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe you feel like you've failed. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe that love for Jesus is not there in the same way as maybe you've experienced before. But we all are in the same boat. We all need, we all need a saviour. Regrets and worries and guilt and shame. I don't know what it is, but God knows us. He loves us. He sees us. He sees the burden that we carry. He knows the weight that causes us to stoop down. I want you to know this morning, this table is for you. It's for you. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at that amazing verses in 1 Corinthians 11. So we're going to read that together again today. So 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church and he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you reclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And it's that line in verse 26 that I just want us to focus on today. Ollie beautifully just you know, led us to that place of remembrance a couple of weeks ago. We looked at the table as a place of remembering. And then Jez last week helped us to look up, to see the grace of God and to look at all that Jesus has done for us and the thanksgiving that produces in our hearts. But today I want us to do something that's maybe we don't always think about as we come to the table, but this amazing proclamation that in our remembering, we remember the Lord's death, but that death we proclaim into the future. 
And so that's what I want us to look at today. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim, if you like another word, announce, you broadcast the Lord's death until the day he comes. I love this kind of interesting, it's almost like a back to the future moment right here in the text. Because Paul is saying this, for as often, so every time you gather, whether it's Thursday morning or Sunday night, or whenever it is you gather to this table, as often here in the present, you proclaim the Lord's death, that which happened in the past. So in the present, you look back to the past and you proclaim what Christ has already done in the past. But not only do you stay in the past, you look to the future until he comes. So from this moment, you look back to the past, you see all that Christ has done and you look to the future and know that there is a day coming when all things are going to be made perfect once again. So there is an amazing portal that opens up over the table when we come to it. And C.S. Lewis says this beautiful thing. He says that the Lord's Supper is like this. The moment in which the other world the one where Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father is so close, it's like the hand from the other world reaches through and touches our hearts and our minds in this world. C.H. Spurgeon talks about the table being the place where we are so close to heaven because God reaches out to us in our place of need and reminds us there is coming a day when all tears will be absorbed, where all fear will come to an end, where all of the love of God will be displayed for the world to see in an incredible, in an incredible way as we walk free. Jesus has broken the power of sin and death in the past. And he commands us to broadcast it now and carry on until the day comes when death is finally swallowed up in victory. So just quickly, we're going to proclaim the Lord's death, that which has happened in the past. I want to focus on that as our first point, that which has happened in the past. When we proclaim the Lord's death, we announce to ourselves and to others that all of our mistakes, all of our failures have been absorbed in God's, in Christ's body on the cross. That is a miracle. Whatever you bring to the cross or to this table, whatever mess it is, Jesus has absorbed all of that mess in his body on the cross. Uh, there's nothing substandard about what happened. There's nothing that he, he said, oh, I'll take all of this, but I'm not going to take that. He's taken all of our sin, all of our independence and all of our brokenness, and he's, he's taken it in himself, absorbed it in himself on the cross. The cross of Jesus was not just a brutal execution it, is, it also included the amazing ability of Jesus, God's Son, to take all of our guilt and all of our shame and all of our fear. You know, for those of us who are weighed down with baggage today, you need to hear the proclamation of the cross loud and clear. The cross 
has dealt with your baggage once and for all in the past. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's happened in the past. For those of us who are weighed down, we need to know that it's happened already and that we're living on this side of the, of the cross. And every time we come to this table, we remind ourselves the cross is in the past. And if the cross is in the past, then our guilt is in the past. We don't have to carry those heavy burdens anymore. Everything has been dealt with on the cross. But when we forget that Jesus has done all of that already, we start carrying our own burdens ourselves. We try to take the load ourselves and we can't carry it. But when we know that Jesus has done it all once and for all 2,000 years ago, whether the enemy is shouting at us words of guilt or shame or whether we are in our own minds we're feeling that we've missed it and we've failed again, we can, we can declare it, we can proclaim it. Once and for all, Jesus has done it all at the cross. It's finished. When Sally said that earlier, I just thought, amen, it's finished. And I know that for so many of us, we love, we, I don't know what it is, there's something within us as humans that wants to carry our own weight wants to carry our own sin. We feel that it's too good to be true. Surely we have to take some responsibility for this. But Jesus has taken it all. And if we don't see it, if we forget what he's done, we'll just carry around sacrifices on our backs, trying to justify ourselves, trying to feel that we have to do something ourselves to free us from this burden of guilt when Jesus has done it all on the cross once and for all. So when we proclaim the Lord's death, we do this. We say that this side of the cross that we live on now, there's redemption. There are sins forgiven. There's no condemnation. We have a restored relationship with God. We're reconciled with the life of God. There's no freedom. Sorry, there's freedom from guilt and shame, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's where we live. We proclaim it to the devil, our enemy, and to the demonic powers. Jesus has absorbed sin and death in his body on the cross. It's in the past. It's not in the future. It is finished. And I love what 1 Corinthians 2 and verses 7 to 8 says, you know, about our enemy, the devil. It says, we, this is Paul speaking again, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed from the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> we have an enemy who's been fooled. He's been fooled by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. If they'd realised what was going on, that this sinless, guilt-free guilt man was being crucified, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. The simplicity of the cross focuses our attention on Christ 
and not on us. We try to embellish the gospel. We say to ourselves, how can a story of such incredible deliverance involve the death of a hero? Our story does. Jesus Christ, our hero, died in our place. And we praise him for that. We praise him for that. Thank you, Lord. We also proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's a future. Do you remember what Paul says? As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until the day that he comes. You know, church, there is coming a day when we will sit at this table with Jesus himself. When we will celebrate with him in his Father's kingdom. We will see him, we will be with him just like we are together. Wherever we are with others today, as real as that, we will be with Jesus. When we arrive in heaven, when all things are made new, when heaven and earth become one, when we are given new eternal bodies, the restoration of all things. We don't come at that place to a communion meal. We come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Apostle John said it in Revelation 19. He describes this place as a place of celebration when the church unites with their bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and they become one together. It's a place that uh, the Scriptures talk about as a place where there's no more tears and there's no more suffering and there's no more pain. I love what Isaiah 25 and verses 6 to 8 just says about this future moment that we proclaim. On this mountain of the Lord of hosts, so on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples and the veil that is spread over all nations. Listen to this. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away every tear from their faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Don't you long for that? That day when death is swallowed up in victory. Where there's no more sorrow. There's no more sadness. There's no more grief. There's no more fear or heartache or sorrow, or brokenness, or hurt. I want to tell you that this meal that Jesus gave us is a standing testimony to the fact that our sins are forgiven in the past and that the sorrows that we're experiencing in this life will one day be wiped away in the future. And every time we come to the table, we both remember and we look forward to that day with hope. It's like a back to the future moment when we don't need 88 miles an hour. We, we are here at the table. <laughs> 
and God helps us to see once and for all that his death has done it and we have a future hope where there's no more sorrow and there's no more sadness and there's no more brokenness. I know that there will be people here, even listening today, who are carrying you know, heavy burdens, things that are just too hard to carry on your own. I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's something that you're just walking through. Whatever it is, I want you to know today that there is a day coming where Jesus said there will be no more sadness, no more sorrow, and no more pain. Maybe you feel hopeless today, but I want you to know you can have hope because what Jesus has done in the past means that in the future, we walk in newness of life. No more brokenness, no more sadness, and no more sorrow. And then finally, I just want to look at this final section, we proclaim the Lord's death and all are welcome. There's something about what happens at this table that broadcasts everyone is welcome. Come as you are. You know, when we leave our baggage at the cross and we look with hope to a better day in the future, there is something in our proclamation that shouts out loud and clear, everyone is invited. All are welcome. I read this quote recently from the late Rachel Head Evans. It just said this, it just really struck something in my heart when we were coming to a time of breaking bread together as a church. She says this, the gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors and shouting, welcome, there is bread and wine. Come eat and drink with us. Let's talk together. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy. It's a kingdom for the hungry. Listen to what this story says that Jesus shared in, in Luke 14, verses 15 to 24. Um, these words are actually quite shocking when we read them, but it's to help us to realise that often it's those, in fact, it was in this situation where Luke is referring to He's talking about the people of Israel and he's saying that those who were invited, even though they had an invitation, they were preoccupied and didn't come. And so Jesus opens up the invitation to those that are poor and destitute and broken. <laughs> and he says that, you know, there's still room. I love the way that Jesus says this in the scripture. I'm gonna read it in just a bit. But he says, there's still room at the table. So go to the highways and the byways and proclaim everyone is invited to this table. I'm gonna read the scripture, but I just want us to just catch the moment here because this is such a significant thing. We can easily just brush over it. And I know that there will be some who are listening today who will feel that they've been distracted 
over this last year, that they've lost their way in terms of their faith, that they've lost the focus on Jesus. And I want you to see how you don't have to stay in that place today. You can know and you can come to the one who says, I'm not looking for you to be perfect. I'm not looking for you to feel worthy. I have done all of that on the cross 2,000 years ago. You can't add anything to it. So let me read Luke 14 and verses 15 to 24 to you. Blessed, this is Jesus speaking. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said to him, well, I've brought a field. I must go out and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to examine them. Will you please excuse me? And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. Don't you love that? There's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. These verses, they are shocking. And there is a sense in them without reading, you know, reading too much into this and what Jesus was really saying, because he was speaking to the Jewish people. They were the ones that were invited. They had the covenant of Abraham. They had all the promises but they made excuses and didn't come. They weren't ready for this feast. But Jesus then opened it up to everyone. And I, love he said that, I love the way he says, there is still room. And I, and I know this is the fact that the reason Jesus holds back from returning is because there's still room. There's still room to come to this table and, and proclaim the Lord's death. There's still room to come and be invited to this feast, which is only really the appetizer of what is to come when one day we will sit at a massive marriage feast with people that maybe we wouldn't expect to be there. People that are not like us. But all are welcome. Depend, doesn't matter what your background is or your situation, what class whether you have or whether you don't have, whatever mess you've made of your life, whatever you feel about how good your life is, everyone is welcome. And there's something about this table that when we break bread and when we drink this wine, we're proclaiming 
that everyone is welcome. There's an amazing message at the table. Come, you're welcome. And sometimes our lives get so busy. We have other priorities, our businesses, the things we buy, the, you know, we... And understandably, if you're going to get married in the next few weeks or we know someone in the next few weeks is going to get married and maybe the priority of of heaven is not foremost in their minds, but there's something deep in our hearts that just absolutely needs to know that we're made for something more than this. We're made for something more than this world. And we're made for an eternal kingdom. So Christian, during this time, if your heart has grown cold, if you've lost your way, if you've become distracted or you've lost sight of your relationship with God, I want you to use this table as an opportunity to reset, to refocus, to come back to what's important. Don't fall into the trap of the early Corinthians when It had just become a meal. They got drunk and they'd forgotten the poor and they'd become self-indulgent. Let's not do that. Our gospel message is simple. There's room at this table for everyone. And just as I come come to an end, there's just a couple of things I just want to share is, is this, that when we proclaim the Lord's death, We affirm that in Jesus Christ, God's holy love and our desperate human plight meet together redemptively at the cross. As God's holy love and our desperate plight come together at the cross. And it's the cross that brings us together. And it's the cross that we proclaim when we eat the Lord's Supper. Bring your baggage to the cross. Come as you are. Don't try and sort yourself out from the outside in. Jeremiah prophesied this, for I will forgive your iniquity and I will remember your sins no more. No amount of self-improvement Will ever suffice, we need someone to stand in our place. This table is a table of grace. Don't ever think that just because you feel unworthy, you can't come. This meal brings us right back to the death of Jesus and our sins are forgiven. This meal takes us forward to the day where there'll be no more sorrow and no more pain. And this meal shouts out and proclaims, all are welcome, come as you are. Jesus has set the table for everyone, for you and for me. And then I just look forward to the very last few verses of the Bible in Revelation 22. And I love how the Bible finishes with this. But Revelation verses, uh, chapter 22 and verse 17 says this, come. Say the Spirit and the Bride, whoever hears, echo, come. Is anyone thirsty? Come. All who will, come and drink. Drink freely of the water of life. That's how the Bible finishes. Come. 
That's how I want to finish this morning. Wherever you're at, whether you feel like you've lost your way, whether you're a Christian who's maybe thinking, I don't know whether I can come back to church because I've lost my way. I've done things I regret. I want to say to you, come. Because there is a, God has made a way for you. If you don't know Christ today, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe some of this stuff is so alien to you that I'm sharing. I want you to say, I want you to know that you are welcome. That God is not a God who's pointing his finger in justice at you and telling you, telling you that you've messed up. His arms are open wide. And he wants you to know that you're loved and accepted and all are welcome to come and enjoy the goodness of God with him.